Tim's a bunch of badasses if you know what I mean They're coming out of the sky, out of the sea And on land, gonna take it to the enemy Lock it low, boys Time to explode, boys Make sure you get home, boys They got your back, the pride of the fleets The bright swinging frogmen Of the UTT Hi, this is Commander Mark Devine. Welcome to the Unbeatable Mind podcast on the SealFit channel. Super stoked to have you with me this week. Before we get started, let me remind you that if you're not on our email list, then you're missing out. So go to sealfit.com and drop your email into our email list so that we can keep you informed of what's going on around here. All right, this week is a little different. I'm going to actually be bringing you an interview I did a while ago with one of my favorite guests, seven-time CrossFit Games athlete Rebecca Boyd. Well, guess what? She's just qualified again for the eighth year in a row. I mean, that is remarkable, folks. So she'll be in the CrossFit Games eight years in a row. And this year, I mean, if you've been following the CrossFit Games, you may remember or or know that they have super regions, and she's in one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive region of the competition. And in this interview, I talk about her training style, meal plan, what she does after competition, some of this interview will surprise you. Uh, Also, it may surprise you that Becca is a Kokoro graduate. She attended Kokoro 30 here at SealFit headquarters. Hoo-yah, Becca. Good luck this year in the CrossFit Games. Hope you crush it. Here we go. I am super excited this week to have uh, my friend and uh, super CrossFit athlete, uh, Becca Voigt, here with us on our podcast um, I'm going to let Becca's, you know, um, just her personality kind of introduce herself because uh, she's bubbly and she's got a lot to offer and she's an amazing athlete, an amazing person. And we're just going to have a fun little chat about her, about, um, you know, mental toughness, about training for the CrossFit Games, about competing in the CrossFit Games and whatever else comes up. So, Becca, thank you for joining us. I'm too, super excited to see you uh, in person here on Skype, <laughs> sort of in person. Yeah, exactly. Hi, Coach. How are you? I'm so glad to see you and I'm happy to be on here. It's an honor. I'm excited to talk with you and I think it's going to be a good preparation to next week leading into the games. Yeah, that's right. I mean, for folks who don't know this, uh, to timestamp this podcast, we are a week out from the CrossFit Games. So it's cool. Becca has a rest day today. So, um, you know, she's taking this time to be with us and we're going to talk about uh, how she's prepared for the games and know what she expects and maybe also you know get into a little bit of um, mental toughness and I'm, I'm here to you know help you with any questions you might have if I you know if, if there's anything that I could help you that would make uh, you know just give you a little bit of edge then I'd be all for it right seal fit is behind you all the way um, and I'll say one more thing is Becca got second in the SoCal regionals for the women kicked ass and took names <laughs> right so you got a lot of momentum going into the game so we're really rooting for you but let's get this thing rolling um, who is Rebecca Voigt and where did you, where did you hail from and tell us about your childhood years? Cause you know, that, that can be, that can be pretty informative sometimes. So yeah, it, it can be very telling. Um, I grew up in Simi Valley, California, so I'm native to California and I have lived all up and down Northern and Southern California. And I can truly say I'm a SoCal kid through and through. (laughs) I love NorCal, but yeah, Southern California is where I will end up for the rest of my years. Um, Growing up in California, 
you know, Southern California and Simi Valley is very much a suburbia town. I was very much uh, raised in a household that was extremely sheltered. I was very fortunate to get all the things that I needed, not necessarily everything that I wanted, but everything that I needed. Uh, my parents are very hardworking. Uh, they both own their own business. And so it um, definitely has showed me what hard work really is and nothing comes easy. It's not something that comes free. So I've always kind of been raised with that. I have to work hard for what I, I get and all, all my fortunes. So Becca, uh, let me ask yeah. a question. What, um, when did your parents kind of uh, require you to start working? What, what, do you remember what age? Um, yeah, I believe it was around 17 or 18. I actually was very lucky. I played sports in college or in high school and I was, had potential to go to college. So my parents had a deal with me as long as I was playing sports. Um, I didn't have to have a job, but if I decided to leave sports, then I needed to get a job. What about during the summer? During the summer, uh, I would work with my dad. So my dad uh, owns a painting company, so residential homes and such. So I did all the grunt work. Yeah. All right. So you, um, where'd you go to, um, so what sports did you play in high school? Uh, well, I started soccer when I was four years old and then that kind of stuck through adolescence. And then, uh, once I got to sixth grade, I fell in love with basketball. I, yeah. And I played basketball, uh, all the way through college and I was able to get a few grants um, to play at a very small private school up in the Bay Area. Yeah. All right. So basketball, actually, you know, I am a horrific basketball player. But every time I do play, um, I do acknowledge how challenging it is. I mean, it is a, it's a gut buster and it requires an extraordinary amount of talent, right? And so I yeah. can see, you know, how that would be a great foundation for what you're doing today. I mean, it's a, it's a tough sport, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very tough sport, and it's mentally, and it was mentally tough, too. I was never, um, I worked very hard to become an athlete and a good one to be able to go to college, so I was never the shooter. I was a very good defender, but <laughs> offense was not my game, so I was probably the Dennis Rodman of my basketball career, minus the attitude. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So... Um, so you grew up kind of in a middle class, um, you know, kind of family and went to a, a small liberal arts school. It sounds a lot like kind of the way I was brought up in upstate New York. Sports uh, had a big, um, were big in terms of defining your character. So, but as you were kind of nearing your, um, the completion of your college years, did you have any sense that athletics would be part of your future? Or were you setting your sights on a professional uh, career or motherhood or what were your uh, thoughts back then? Um, at the, really, at the time, I wanted to start a career, but I knew that sports were always going to be a part of my life. So even after college, I moved down to San Diego. I got a grown-up job and uh, worked many, many hours through the day, but I also played in a softball league. I played in a dodgeball league. Um, just try to be social, and I tried to go to the gym as much as I could, uh, but it really wasn't until I found CrossFit that I knew that I needed to change professions. <laughs> right. What was that profession? Just, just out of curiosity, what was your first? Uh, I worked for an, a, re, a real estate appraisal company to begin with in San Diego. And then I actually worked for a bank 
and uh, worked on the backside on like appraisals and stuff for uh, Bank of America. So I was very much in the corporate world. Yeah, I can hear that. I was a CPA my first career and, you know, it was like sticking needles in my eye every day. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. It was. uh, Yeah. I'm surprised I lasted as long as I did. And I'm very glad that I had the experience, but I will never go back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you don't pine for something that would, you know, be torturous like that. No. What about, um, who were your uh, mentors and inspiration before CrossFit? Like, did you have a particular uh, coach or someone in your family that super inspired you to, to work harder? I mean, was it your parents or somebody else in your life? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was my parents uh, specifically, uh, but not in the – they were very strict and very stern. Uh, my mom had very high expectations for me. And part of her, you know, did not want me to rely on a man or my dad um, to get far in life. And she made sure that I was extremely independent. And so I think that was a driving force. I really wanted to do well in life and athletics and my uh, school career just because I knew that she would be proud of me if I did do well and I really pushed hard and you know I learned a lot after and now that they would they would love me unconditionally and it it really didn't matter what happened but I think that because I thought that that equaled more love or more pride in them that that's what I worked for right now are they are they still alive yeah yeah they're right so they get to experience what you're going through right now with the CrossFit world and all that yeah, and they're so proud. And actually, I'm uh, opening my own gym, and we we are working on getting the paint and basically the build out and all that stuff done. And my parents are helping me tremendously, and it's it's really sweet to hear like my mom say like Don't worry about our time. Like we believe in you, and we believe in this dream, and it means so. It really means so much, and I. It's, I have so much more respect for my parents, even more so than I did you know, growing up. It's amazing. Sometimes we need some uh, distance and space to really understand the tough love and you know, some of the decisions that our parents make, right? Yeah, absolutely. I know my mom holds a lot of guilt, and I feel like you know, I, don't, I don't hold any resentment anymore. You know, that was my teenage years, but the resentment's gone, and I am so thankful for the person that I have become that how can I resent that, you know? I think I'm pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, we do too. So I assume you'll be out painting your uh, your new box someday soon. <laughs> yeah, we actually already started, and I will be doing it this weekend, even leading up into the games. What are you going to call it, by the way? <laughs> it's a CrossFit training yard. Oh, right on. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And where is it going to be located? It's in Toluca Lake, California, North Hollywood. North Hollywood, okay. So let's uh, shift focus a little bit, Becca. How did you um, stumble upon CrossFit? And, and what was the early years like for you? That was an interesting thing. Uh, I was actually in Hawaii on vacation with uh, a bunch of my friends. And my, one of my really good friends, Annalisa, was doing handstands in our uh, rental house. And she's got a, she said, you got to try this new thing, CrossFit. It's at my gym. And we're going to have this event called Fight Gone Bad in September. And you should come up and check it out. 
So I was like, all right, why not? I have nothing else to do. So she gave me the five exercises in Fight Gun Bad. And she's like, just practice these and then come up and we'll have a great weekend. And I was like, all right, that sounds good. And so when I got up there, I was extremely intimidated. Just the people walking by, watching this workout. But what I did notice was the community. Right. And as much as the workout kicked my butt and I was sore for seven days, like barely walking seven days, I literally fell in love with this community. And I knew that this was what my life was missing. Because after college, you know, basketball, there was really nothing left. You were into the gym, you went, you know, you had your headphones in, you really didn't talk to many people. There was no team. No, not at all. And I missed that tremendously. And so when I saw what this could be, I, I immediately went home and found my local gym. And um, after the soreness went away, I went in and tried my first week. Right on. Yeah, and fell in love with it. And I imagine just like everybody else in the world, you probably went through an on-ramp and had to, you know, do your first snatch and fumble <laughs> your way through. Well, actually, no, because it was so different then. There was no on-ramps. You just basically went and took a class. I mean, that was in 2006, 2007. So it was very different. You kind of just struggled through it. And luckily, I, you know, my background, I had a little bit of lifting in there. It wasn't pretty by any means, but I, I was familiar. So right off the bat, I, I fell into this and I was like, wow, I could be pretty good. Well, that was going to be my question is like, when did you kind of um, poke your head up and say, you know what, I can actually compete in this? I mean, the CrossFit game started in what, 2007, right? Or eight? When was the Romus? When was the first? Yeah, the first one was in 2007. And then I didn't go to that one. No. And I really didn't think I could stack up in 2008, but it was the first hundred athletes that could sign up. Oh, see. And so I signed up and got to go through this competition and it was it was fun and I ended up seventh which was a surprise and I just felt again it was the community it was the Woodstock feel of what I've been told because I wasn't there but uh um it was tense and it was dirt and we were all just together you know like-minded people just having a great time suffering together it was exciting yeah, so, let, so for folks who are listening who don't know, the first CrossFit Games were actually up at uh, Director of Training of CrossFit. He had a ranch. His name is Dave Castro, and it was at, it was at his ranch. And it, like Becky, you said, it was, it was dirt and tents, and it was just a big party. They had beer, and, and um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And the, I think that's when Kalipo just showed up and won it, right? The first, yeah. first time he ever really competed. Yep, the dark horse. Like big puffy back then, you know, kind of a meathead looking guy. And I, I, you know, he's, everyone has just come an extraordinary, I mean, when, if you look at what, where the games are now and where the athletes are now, including their body types and the loads they're putting up, it's unbelievable, you know, the progression from 08 to 2014. Oh, absolutely. I look at pictures, videos and pictures of me moving and I'm just like, oh, that looks so bad. I can't believe that. But it's so it's, it's a refreshing reminder of where I've come and how far I've come, and it's really cool. And also it points to what the future is. I mean, I think we're all, and I feel this way, I say a lot to a lot of people that I, personally I'm stronger now uh, at 51, I had my 51st birthday just the other day, than I was as a 30-year-old Navy SEAL. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm much stronger, much more functionally fit, much more mentally focused than I was back then. And that's a testament to the CrossFit movements and you know our SEAL fit methodologies. It's it's incredible. And I feel like we're just getting warmed up. Do you feel that way too? 
Oh, absolutely. Happy, happy birthday, by the way. But yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm scared to see what these kids can do because you have some kids that have been doing this for probably 10 years now and they started when they were eight and nine years old and they're already extremely talented. So it's who was the 19 year old in San Diego that came out of nowhere. Lauren Fisher. Lauren, right. She is incredible. I got to train with her um, just last week. I went down to Invictus and got to train with her and a few other athletes. And she jerked 253. And this girl's got, like, she is a teeny tiny thing. And she is strong. She's an amazing, amazing athlete. But, yeah, 19 years young. That's incredible. So, yeah, put this in perspective. I'm 195 pounds, and I can jerk about 205. And so she's... Holy cow. She pushed her 256, 53? How much did you say? Yeah, 53. Holy cow. Yeah, she's an impressive athlete. Very strong. Yeah. that's So your point is, is right on. You know, I, um, when you have these kids, you know, who are growing up through CrossFit Kids and, and they come into the you know, competition having already CrossFitted for five to ten years, I mean, that's a whole other next generation of the sport, isn't it? I mean, for... You got into it relatively young. For a lot of folks, you know, in the early years, it was all brand new. We're just fumbling around. Mm-hmm. Incredible. So who were, you know, in the CrossFit community, you got exposed to a whole new level of inspiration, you know, inspiring people. Who were your early mentors and, and who really inspired you to, to up your game in CrossFit? In CrossFit, I really looked up to uh, Nicole Carroll and um, Annie Sakamoto. Those were females that were just extremely strong and present during that time. And it was just cool to see that these girls were able to do, you know, some at the time, big boy weights and they weren't being ridiculed and they didn't look like they were men themselves. It was just a really refreshing thing. And I think that, you know, going back to the kids, the CrossFit kids, you know, we're, we're supporting these kids and especially young girls to understand that being fit and being strong doesn't, is not a bad thing. It's so positive. And so, you know, being able to look up to Nicole and Annie um, was really helpful. Don't have to lose your femininity. That's just what I love about CrossFit girls. You know, they super fit, but still feminine, still cute, yeah. you know I mean? which is really cool. Well, very poignant um, message that I got when I was going through Seal Fit is Coach Price had me in an ice bath. Yes. And he's just grilling me. And I'm just, I just don't understand. And he finally said, do you understand why I'm being hard to you? And I said, no, no, sir, I don't. And he's like, I have a daughter who looks up to you and I need to make sure that you are worthy. And that spoke volumes to me. It was just like it's, I mean, it's ingrained in me. I need to be that role model that all these girls have made me. So, very cool. Yeah, and to approach that not as a burden, but as a as an honor. Absolutely. Like I, I mean, yeah, very much an honor. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's shift focus again and and get get into a little bit of the kind of the training you know aspect, so we can maybe deliver a little insight to, to the folks who are listening. Let's talk about, you know, what is it like for you to train um, in the run-up to the Open? And so I imagine your training schedule and, you know, what you do and how you, you know, organize your training uh, shifts right throughout the year. So you've got run- after post-games, run-up to the, 
Open and then kind of through the Open to the Regionals and then from Regionals to the CrossFit Games. Can you kind of talk us through how you how you prepare for those different elements of the CrossFit world, CrossFit sport? Yeah, I think it's um, we we progress. Everybody progresses very differently. Uh, my coach makes sure that you know in the off season, probably starting off at a late late October, early November, we start a more strength and we are in a heavier strength um, cycle. And as we get closer to January and February, we have to actually incorporate a lot more Metcons. And so by the time we get to the open, I need to have that engine. We never shy away from CrossFit. We're never only doing specific strength, but you know, it, it definitely goes a little bit heavier on the strength side. Mm-hmm. But then as we get to January and February, we definitely need to increase capacity because the open's always going to be light. Right. So I have to understand that, you know, everybody is going to be able to do these workouts. It's just how much and how fast you can do it. So that's when we start to ramp up on more Metcons. Right. And once the open is over, then it gets back to a very well-rounded CrossFit thing. Anything that you see online, we try to get really creative. We try to fine-tune the gymnastics. Um, that's one of the things that I really had to focus on this year was the gymnastics aspect of this. And I'm glad I did. Right. Yeah. The handstand walk was killer in, in the uh, regionals, right? Yeah. Do you guys, um, get any kind of hints from back channel about what's going to be in the games? Like I'm, I heard kind of, maybe there'll be some target shooting, you know, Castro's always wanted to get some of his seal stuff into the games. He's gotten the run, swim, run, you know, he's gotten the obstacle course, Next thing is going to be some sort of, you know, accuracy evolution. So maybe like burpees and box jumps followed by shooting a target. I would love that. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be be awesome. Um, We don't really get the hints. They said a biathlon. Okay. So we know that, you know, in the Winter Olympics, there's the biathlon of shooting and skiing. Um, You can always wonder, but yeah, there's no hints. They really want to keep this, you know, locked down. So we, it's all about speculation. You know you're going to be swimming. So this entire year, I actually devoted a lot of my training to swimming um, just to get better, not because I wanted to be the best, but because I needed to not be the worst. Right. So that, that brings up a good point and something that I kind of struggled on when I was competing in the Masters is like, I know what I'm good at, but I, so I want to get better at that. But I also know what I suck at. I need to spend a, a, you know, a significant portion of my time on the things that I suck at. And everyone's got that kind of formula, right? So you just have to figure out how to balance. There's just so much, so many skills and so much to do, even when it comes to strength. And so you can't do it all. And so how do you decide what, and how do you and your coach decide what you need to spend your time on, more time on or less time on? Yeah, it is really hard to determine that. And I'm glad that I have somebody who can tell me what to do because as much as I don't mind working on my goats, it's a lot easier to work on things that you like. But um, we really look on kind of the past and how the past regionals have gone and what events and exercises are going to be in that and really try to make workouts that are very similar to that as well. So a lot of chest bar pull-ups. We, we really kind of stay with our roots of CrossFit, and that's what my coach has always been on, like just really stay true to the roots and don't veer right or left um, significantly. So um, it's really nice when somebody can tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Everybody needs a coach. I couldn't imagine training 
without one, I did. But I, I mean, if I ever was, you know, training for real, I would, I would uh, certainly. Who is your coach, by the way? My coach is uh, Ben Bergeron from CrossFit New England. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Guy. He's amazing. He, I think you and him would have great conversation. Um, he's extremely positive. And he, he's just a really, really cool guy. I'm pretty sure he wants to bring his whole team out to Kokoro. Yeah, he does. That's awesome. You know, maybe we'll see him. I don't know. if I'm pretty sure I heard some chatter about them wanting to come out this October. So I highly recommend it. Come back, right? You don't have to come back and be on the staff. October's not too bad because the water's not that cold. Yeah. Well, I wasn't saying you had to go through it again, but you're welcome to. I meant you could be on the staff, like in the back. Oh, yeah, I might like that a little bit better. <laughs> and you learn a lot from that perspective. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I want to. Okay, well, we'll plan that. So let's talk about um, what does a day look like for you? Like how much time do you spend doing strength training versus a Metcon versus just skill development? And downtime, you know, and recovery and, you know, active recovery type stuff. What does a day look like for you? So for my days, it's usually a pretty much I hit, hit the road running. Um, I get up, I have breakfast, and then I'm either coaching um, or heading to the gym to start my training. Uh, I make sure that I train with a good amount of people. Not that I'm, a, I'm scared to train by myself. But this year, I really wanted to focus on making it more fun and still keeping that community base. Uh, it's really hard for me to jump into a class right now. Not that because I don't like class setting. I really love the class setting, but I need to be, you know, working on the things that I need to work on. So I, instead of, you know, telling a gym that I needed this class to be my class, I actually just kind of created a good source of people around me that uh, just wanted to work hard, wanted to get better, and just wanted to help me, you know, get better. So we meet usually around 12, and we go until about 4 or 4.30. And it's, um, most days it's just a single session, but rather long. And we will work on lifts in the beginning, then work on some, you know, gymnastic skill, and then go ahead and hit uh, one or two workouts depending on the length. Um, you know, at least twice a week we do, uh, two sessions and that's how it's been for at least a month and a half, two months. So we, you know, go back, you know, take a rest and maybe get some food, get some shaken. But other than that, it's, it's a, it's a long, long, extensive training session. Uh, I'm thankful that these people are in, insane enough to do it with me. Yeah. What a privilege, but I, I mean, I imagine the crew changes up a little bit, you know, or these other athletes who are participating in the games working with you. Um, yeah, they're not game, they are regional athletes. Um, Kristen Clever trains with me, and she is, I mean, she's one of my very good friends, and so it's great to work with her, and she kicks my butt regularly, and it's just a reminder that there are athletes that are better than me, but it doesn't mean that I don't belong there. It's just there's more room for me to grow and I keep that in mind. Oh, that's awesome. Kristen's awesome. You know, so to, to train and work with the vets like her, you know, you learn something every time. Oh, absolutely. What's she doing? Is she competing this year or what's, what's her status? Um, she's doing really well. She actually competed in regionals um, on the team and they finished fourth. So they were just, just outside three points away. Um, she actually is a part of the LA reign for the MP. GL and she's very excited about that to get started. 
Yeah, she's she's doing really good. She's in good spirits, and there's a lot of laughter from her, so that makes my heart, you know, smile. Yeah, she's a Kokoro. She she was one of the first batch. Remember that? She was one of the first girls, right? She was one of the first girls. She she wasn't the first, but she was like the I think the second or third. Yeah. Third, yeah, pioneer. Oh yeah, she she definitely blazes a trail. She's an amazing person. So. Um, what about your diet? People are going to want to be interested in what, you know, how you organize your fueling plan, <laughs> your nutritional intake. You know, are you a strict paleo or you, uh, how do you- I, I've tried it all mm-hmm. and I realized there are some things that don't work. Um, in previous years I was a heavy zone and that went well, but it's just, very hard to stay as disciplined as I want just because I'm all over the place. I'm in the car a lot. And so sometimes packing my lunch at night or for the next day is just a little bit too tedious. So um, in the last few months, I've actually seen a huge transformation in my body and in the right direction that I want it to. And all that I did was uh, make sure that everything's balanced. So I still stick to the 40-30-30, 40% fat, 30% um, protein. And all I did was use an app on my phone to just log it. And I kept track of where the balances were and where my my pie chart was and focused on just balancing the food. And it really helped me a lot. Just I was more educated in the amount of food that I wasn't eating um, throughout my day. And it was just a little bit more educational that, you know, I had something that and right in front of me that can show me what I'm doing wrong and what I was doing right. And so that was really helpful. That would be. Now, I'm curious, what would you, what did you find was most out of balance? Was it your fat intake or because that, yeah. that would have been my guess. Most people don't eat enough fat and they need that so badly. Well, actually, I was the complete opposite. I wasn't eating a ton of protein. I could get about 25 percent, but then 45 percent was fat. Oh, no kidding. So you were the other way around. And so, I, yeah, I don't understand how it really happened. But, um, yeah, I was emphasizing more on fat and my body just needed more fuel. It, it wasn't utilizing the fat like it should or in like some other people's bodies. And I needed more carbohydrates to kind of balance that out. And once I did find that, it was it's been great so far. My energy level is high. I really feel like my Metcons, I can actually keep going and I can actually push it at the end. So that's been really cool. Okay. So for folks who aren't, you know, super into the, the stats, what does a, you know, typical meal plan look like for you on a, on a, on a good day? I mean, what does breakfast, lunch, and dinner look like in the snacks in between? Yeah. So breakfast is uh, four eggs and a I don't know, like a half a cup, like a packet of oatmeal. I use a packet. So I think it's like maybe a half a cup of oatmeal. And then uh, I will train and have a shake uh, probably four hours later. Okay. And then hit another one of my workouts and then have lunch, which would consist of, you know, some rice, broccoli, and some sort of protein. So beef, uh, turkey burgers, uh, just, I cook a lot of my meals. I don't really eat out very often. So, um, that's pretty typical. Just some grilled, I barbecue a ton. So some barbecued meat is probably where I'm going to go. And then, uh, if I need to, if I'm working out or if I have a few clients, I'll hit another shake just to keep everything t- uh, topped off. 
And then a dinner is pretty close to what my lunch is, you know, have maybe some quinoa uh, and definitely another green vegetable and then some sort of grilled meat again. Okay. And how do you get your fats? From salad dressings, from butter, from olive oil? What kind of... It's- it's really not that much. I mean, the eggs have some fat, but there's not a ton. Um, I really am a little bit lower on fats. I might have a piece of chocolate at night, but other than extremely dark chocolate, but um, yeah, I'm, I actually have switched over for a little bit more higher carbs and really low fats and just fats in the meat. I do like a good hearty ribeye with a lot of fat in there. So um, the meats are definitely not as lean as they could be, but that's where I'm getting my fats from. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I, I had a, um, a recent podcast with a, a NASA scientist who's really into the ketogenic dieting. Yeah. It was just, it was mind-blowing, you know, what he was telling me about some of these, these diets that are like 60, 80% fat. And they've actually, you know, I'm not saying it's great for a CrossFitter. It's not. But <laughs> what they've done, right, they've, they've cured a lot of neurological disorders with that because the brain needs so much fat and the brain requires or, or uses 40% of your energy. And so what they found is that most people in our society have such a, you know, limited amount of fat because fat has been demonized. Right. Neurological diseases, you know, to, to include, um, oh, man, I mean, just... Um, Schizof- not schizophrenia, but, you know, um, what am I thinking about? When you have seizure, seizures. Oh, epilepsy. Epsil- epilepsy has been cured through this ketogenic diet, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I, my mom actually has epilepsy, and it's one of those things that I have been trying for many years to get her on a uh, higher-fat diet, but we're getting there. Yeah, chip away. You know, I would um, – if you remind me, I'll send you the podcast or, you know, give it to you because it would be interesting for her to hear it from this guy. You know, people believe – experts this yeah. scientist from nasa he's a brilliant guy and be interesting to t- show her some of the research behind it yeah i would really like that i mean dr oz is very popular yeah. so. exactly. <laughs> all right so let me um i know we got uh we've kind of been going along the tooth here but i want to talk uh get into the mental game um so we, you remember the big four from Kokoro Camp, right? Goal setting. I'm sure you know that's a big part of your mental management, visualization, breath control, and positive. You know, maintaining a positive mindset, a whole you know positive approach to your day. Can you tell me um, or tell us how much those play into you know the way you train? And then also the way you compete. I mean, are you actively leaning on those consciously or is it just part of your, you know, kind of the way you've been trained by your, through sports and through your mentors or? No, actually, uh, the last, the last year, actually, since um, Kokoro, uh, I have changed a lot of things in my life to actually hold on to more positivity, um, not beating myself up on a daily basis, really focusing on things that I can control. And it's, it's really helped my just mental well-being. I feel like I am just a happier person, even though my training in, in my life has been, you know, kind of chaotic right now. And it's really, I go back to like my mantra is really, uh, you, your body is prepared to do this. So when I go to the games, if I get into a point where I start to panic a little bit, I just take a deep breath and tell myself that 
I have spent the time and the hours and my body knows what to do when it gets into this very stressed state. And I try to tell myself that it's not bad that I am at this point. And it's a, it's a good thing. You I mean, you've taught me like, it's just, you have to utilize what you have in front of you. Do you have a specific mantra that you use um, to maintain a positive state? You know, I related mine during Kokoro camp was feeling good, looking good, ought to be in Hollywood. And I would, say it over and over and over and it kept me kind of really focused do you have something similar to that that you use when you're competing um i do really just try to uh tell myself that i'm okay i think for the for me those words like you're okay being consciously aware of that i might be a little bit panicked and to be able to really see that and tell myself i'm okay that's really helps me a lot just you're, you're fine. Breathe. Okay. And then just try to take the number or however many reps and just small sets, three, two, one, three, two, one. That's all you got to do. I talk to myself the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Do you have a, um, a pre, you know, event ritual that you go through to prepare for, you know, let's say you're going through the games and next week and, you know, you've got, I don't know how many, probably 14 different workouts to get through. Before each workout, what is your little routine to get ready to go? Uh, it's really spending some time on some the bike or the rower and thinking about the workout, breaking it down, understanding kind of where my game plan is going to be. And I really try not to get caught up in what other athletes are doing, especially in the warm-up, because you can get really caught off guard when you know so-and-so is using a jump rope. And I'm like, oh, well, should I be using a jump rope? So... Excuse me. I try to stay very focused on what I am going to do, really get the plan in my head and try not to let any of those negative thoughts creep in. And then I usually have my fiance and my coach nearby so we can talk some things out. And I'm I'm really big on talking things out and trying to understand how things will work, um, even in a workout. And so I will make sure that I do that. And then I just go kind of chip away at each one of the movements. I'm going to warm up, you know, everything that, you know, if there's muscle ups in there, I know exactly what my muscle up warm up is just because I've gotten it down packed. So it's just going through those movements. And then right before we go out, I take a second, I crouch down, I take a deep breath and I just tell myself I can do this. And, you know, I've done this before and just try not to be too scared. I get really nervous. The nerves definitely get heightened. Um, almost to the point where I'm almost in tears, which is a little bizarre. But then as soon as three, two, one go is called, I'm there, I'm ready to go. And it feels like I've had that little revamp. Right. So you're really, um, you're rehearsing the, the entire workout through the prep prep phase and imagine, you know, you're visualizing it as well while you're talking through it with your, you know, your cohorts and your husband or your fiance. Um, and you've got a good strategy in place for how you're going to organize the workout, when you're going to take breaks, you know, what your rep schemes are. So mm-hmm. you're setting those micro goals beforehand. So you go in with a clear strategy and the breathing. It's not, you referenced that a couple times. Do you have a, do you deep breathe before the workout as part of, you know, try to you know reduce that anxiety? Yeah, I do. I make sure that there is a lot of deep breathing just because it really helps significantly with the nerves and, just keeping the clarity in my brain, I feel. Right. 
That's terrific. So you're using all four of those big four and, and all throughout the workout probably. What about, you know, one of the things that I found very helpful also that we talked about at Kokoro is, you know, not everything goes according to plan. And so to uh, find some sort of lesson or learning so that you have a positive outcome rather than, you know, carrying around a little negative association with a screw up. Do you uh, have a process for that as well? You know, when you mess up? Yeah, I, I actually just try to let it go. Um, I don't hold on to it because you never know who else is going to mess up in the workout or, you know, you can't really control any other athlete, but if you mess up and then let it get to you, you can crumble and we've seen it. And so it's just definitely something that I've always like, if they know, if I get no rep, then it's change it. You know, I, I teach that to my classes. If I tell you it's a no rep, it's no discussion. Move on. It's not the end of the world. Clean it up. So I try to make sure that if if something goes wrong, I take a deep breath. And again, I just get back to work and fix it. You know, you can't dwell on that. And, you know, after workout, I go for my walk. So most athletes will sit in the warm up area. I remove myself from the whole area, I actually go walk in an area that nobody else is in and I take my walk and I get to either celebrate the victory or I get to kind of commiserate on the things that I didn't do well. And I have a little about 10 minutes to do that. And then as soon as the 10 minutes are up, I get to I move on and I turn the page and, you know, wait till the competition's completely over to revisit any of that. But I can't let any negativity move on to the next event. I have to keep it very much positive. And if it didn't go well, then it's something that we'll talk about later. Right. You know, just just to give give us a sense of the workload and, you know, the heaviest day of the games. I mean, how many workouts are you doing? How would it compare to, let's say, you know, a day at Kokoro camp, <laughs> something that we understand. I mean, does it compare? Uh, I think <laughs> the heaviest day of the games is going to be like three to four workouts. Um, it's maybe like the first day of Kokoro where you're still refreshed, but uh, you know, there's more to come. So <laughs> it's really not comparable but I mean, you just continue to do work just like you do at camp. Like you just continue to do work. And like you guys taught us, you don't focus on the entire weekend. You, you focus on minutes, you focus on maybe the next hour, but you don't go beyond that because you can't get caught up because then you go mental and then you want to quit. Right. So, uh, you just, you definitely just focus on what's in front of you. Awesome. You know, Becca, this has been so cool. One last question, and then I think we'll kind of move on. I know you've got a lot to do, like I said earlier, but um, what about your um, spiritual life? I mean, is that a – can we go there a little bit? I mean, do you have a strong faith? Is, do you bring it into your training, into your uh, life? I mean, help us understand uh, that part of your life. That's, that's something that I have not actually um, explored uh, as much as I think I will in the future. Uh, I do have a belief. Um, I know that there is something higher than me, uh, but I really, I, 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 I really have not explored that. And it's, it's really that it's life is so busy. I feel like it's hard to balance a lot of things. And unfortunately that's just one thing that's kind of been 
pushed to the wayside for now. And I know, I know deep down that it's something that I will explore um, more so in the future. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Do you ever have moments um, during a workout, either in training or competition where you, you know, you enter that flow state and you feel, you know, a radical kind of connection to everything or like a, um, a grace kind of flowing through you? Yeah. That's, that's fascinating to me when that happens. And that's, you know, like speaking personally, that's when I feel like there's a spiritual element to, you know, this, even the sport of CrossFit and what we do and that we can bring that in. And that's kind of cool to explore for, for me. And it'd be kind of fun to down the road to have that conversation again, because we don't have to look at spiritual being over here and sports and athletics being over here. And it's all, it's all together. Those are the five moms, right? Physical, mental, yeah. emotional. Absolutely. And there are those moments where you kind of walk away from a workout and you're like, I don't even know what happened. That was just so awesome. And I, and you know it's not you. Like there's something more to it. But it's just, yeah, it's so cool to experience that. Isn't it? Yeah, you tap into some energy that is just beyond you. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got – well. Next week is, uh, you know, an extraordinarily challenging week for you. Um, I'm very confident that you're going to give it your all, 150%, and I wish you the best of luck. I, I'm going to be watching and, you know, be cheering for you. And I know you'll be happy with the results regardless of what they are, but I'm really hoping you're standing on that podium again. So seal fits rooting for you. Um, what are your goals after – this games are you going to make another run for it next year you're going to wait until after to to make that decision what do you i will always be in this um it's kind of cool just because i'm the only female currently to have gone to the game seven times so i feel like of course next year will have to be another attempt just because I'd like to keep the streak going, but I will definitely be focusing a little bit more um, away from competition and more towards uh, building my gym and building that community that really spoke volumes to me in the beginning. And so, you know, I will compete. I will be there next year, but you know, whatever happens happens. And that's kind of where I'm at. I, I want to have some fun and, I want to be able to enjoy every moment and have a good support system around me and people feel I want I want to make people feel that they are important as well. So have that that sense of belonging. Right. And it sounds like you've got kind of a a growing mission to inspire and motivate younger women both to get into CrossFit and to step up to a higher standard. So I'd love to, you know, help you out in any regard that we can, you know, get some of those young ladies took a coral camp and, you know, into a really healthy and motivating lifestyle. Oh, yeah, me too. I highly recommend anybody, any woman any, and man who are really thinking about doing it but might be a little scared. It's hard. It is. And I'm not going to lie about that. But it speaks so much to character and um, it really has made a huge impact on my life. And even things that I don't even know now, but I know that in the future I will be able to be like, oh, that's because of seal fit. And I, I really feel like it has helped my mental game and it's proven to myself that, yeah, I can handle a lot 
and you can just keep going. It doesn't matter, you know, the obstacle in front of you, you can keep going. So I recommend anybody to do it. Just sign up and do it. That's cool. Thanks for that plug. That's awesome. And we'll hopefully we'll see you, uh, you know, either this October or soon, you know, you know, to um, be on the staff. Oh yeah. You'll, you'll definitely see me. Good. All right. Well, Becca, thank you so much for your time. This has been very, very cool. Very, uh, yeah, you know, educational for me and for everyone else. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.